Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, Give us clear eyes to see your presence. Full hearts to know your love. But transform us, O Lord, so that we would not leave this place merely hearers of your word, but that we would leave here as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So if you cruise through Netflix, if you look at all the catalog of movies that are there, they really should have a category called undercover king, princes, princesses, and whatnot. Because if you cruise through there, there seems to be, it just seems to be full of different types of movies where there's some kind of a king or a prince or a princess or a queen, some level of royalty that tries to escape the palace, if you will, and to walk amongst mere mortals like you and me. And I think that the reason why those movies are perpetuated by Hallmark and Disney and other directors is such that we all have this idea, this fairy tale, that wouldn't it be neat if the royalty that we seem to have this quasi-obsession with, wouldn't it be neat if they would just walk amongst us and be common people just like you and me and not really stuffy or stuck up, or that they would be real and caring just like we are. See, subconsciously, I think that we find hope in that. When we see these movies where the king comes out of the castle and sort of blends in with the rest of society, realize that they are just common and have the same issues that we have. That their lives are just as difficult as ours. Mind you, a little different. But they have the same feelings and the same hopes and dreams. So today is Christ the King Sunday. 
It's the last Sunday of the liturgical year. So if you're really concerned about how does the church measure time, we've got the fiscal year, the financial year, the school year, the liturgical year, the calendar year. I mean, you never know whether you're coming or going. This is sort of like New Year's Eve in some regards. But the celebration is really about Christ our King. See, it's on Christ the King Sunday that we're reminded that Christ is the King of all creation. Creating everything, redeeming everything, sustaining all of life. It's a reminder that Christ should reign within the walls of this church and the ministries and the missions and the opportunities that we offer to the world. It's a reminder to us that Christ should reign in our hearts and the love and the grace that we share with all of the world around us. And it's a reminder that Christ should reign in our very lives and the witness and the testimony that we show to the world about our God in heaven. So in our text this morning, you have Pilate who is having that conversation with Jesus. The, the religious leaders of the day have told Pilate, you know you've got a problem, right? You know there's this guy, Jesus, and he says he's the king of the Jews. Well, as soon as they said that, everything in Pilate went off, all the red flags went up, because as the leader of the Roman government in Jerusalem, in Israel at the time, anybody that threatened to be king, anyone that threatened to have a greater political stance than Caesar Augustus was problematic. So when the Jewish leaders told him that Jesus claimed to be king of the Jews, he thought in one dimension only, the political realm. So he thought in this, and so he's quizzing Jesus, are you the king, are you the king? And Jesus sort of dodges the answer, doesn't he? Jesus dodges the answer and he finally reveals, he finally tells Pilate the true nature of his kingdom, the true nature of his rule, the nature of his royalty, if you will. He says, my kingdom is of another place, not of this world. It's of heaven. And so all of a sudden, right then and there, Pilate realizes he's messing with something a lot bigger than Caesar Augustus, isn't he? You see, kings and queens, royalty, they have a kingdom and they have a, they have an, a purpose for their rule. And Jesus in his ministry, the purpose for his rule was to bear witness to the truth, as it says in our text. But it was also to come and to show us a better way of living, how to live and how to understand the world around us. In his days and times, he found the world was broken and distracted. He found the world lost amongst itself, lost trying to find its way, trying to figure out how to live and to make ends meet, if you will. Trying to understand what the meaning of life was. And so Jesus came to bear witness to God's love and to save all of creation from its sinful nature. But in doing so, he also left a charge for you and for me as followers. The charge for us was to bear witness to God's nature. In other words, what we are to do is we're to tell the world who God is. And better yet, we're to bear witness to God's work, what God is about in our world. So our mission as followers of Jesus Christ, as children of God, is to tell the world who God is and what God is about. So a few years ago, there was a child, she was in school and she was working diligently in art class, drawing a picture. And she was drawing and of course the teacher was kind of wandering around, wandering through the rows, seeing what her students were doing. She comes upon this little girl and this girl's drawing away and she says, what are you drawing a picture of? And the girl puts her pencil down and she looks up at the teacher and she smiles a big grin. She says, I'm drawing a picture of God. 
And the teacher smiles back at her and says, well, that's going to be hard. No one knows what God looks like. And without missing a beat, the student pipes rack up at her very respectfully. She says, but they will when I'm done. <laughs> now think about that. No one knows what God looks like, but she is convinced that she can draw that picture of God and that when she's done, the whole world will see it. See, Christ came into the world to show us who God really is. Christ came in to show us the world that the God that we need is very present. This very nature of God is still needing to be defined today, isn't it? The world around us, there's no denying it, the world around us is broken. People are still struggling to figure out who God is and what God is about. And the world has got some very mixed messages from history and from time and from TV preachers and everything else. One of the messages there is that the God in heaven is a vengeful God. We think all the way back to Jonathan Edwards in the days of the Great Awakening when he could write a sermon like sinners in the hands of an angry God in which all of a sudden God seemed to be this sort of scared straight kind of God. Like if you didn't get right with God, you were going to get thumped into the fiery pit. And maybe that worked well at that time. Maybe in the Great Awakening, it scared people straight, but I think it left a lot of people just scared today. That's not the God we know, is it? Others think that the God that in heaven is, they've got ideas that God is a ruthless judge, this arbitrary of life that says that all the evil that has befallen us is of our own making, that we deserve the punishment that we've received. I can tell you that over the years, I've had couples come into my office looking to get married. They both have been married before. They've been divorced. They found someone to love and has loves them just as much, brings out the best of them, very committed to each other. They understand what happened in their previous marriages, why they fell apart. And they come with tears in their eyes, just hoping that this will be the church where they could be married. This will be the church that will celebrate their love. This will be the church that will tell them it's okay that the past didn't turn out the way you wanted it, but that there's hope for the future. But they're scared that we won't be that kind of church. And so they've got this idea that God is this ruthless judge, and yet that's not the God we know, is it? And there are other people that think that when they are feeling low and abandoned, that God has left them too. They've gotten this idea that God has left them, that they are by themselves in the world, and that God isn't with them. But again, we know that's not true, right? Because see, what we really know about God, we know that God is love because that's the good news. That's what it's all about. That our God in heaven is a God that is very present, plain and simple. That loves us for who we are, plain and simple. Think of our communion liturgy, probably my favorite line in that liturgy. We're praying to God and we say, when our love failed, your love remained steadfast. Meaning that no matter what we did, when we sort of failed to love God, when we sort of fell out of love with God or with each other, that God still loves us. God was very much there. If you open up your Bible to the 136th Psalm, what I love about that Psalm is it just repeats over and over and over again this phrase, for God's love endures forever. You can read through it. This may happen and God's love endures forever. That may happen and God's love will endures forever. We may do this and yet God's love endures forever. See, that's the God in heaven that we know, is it not? 
Think about it, if you have taken Disciple Bible study, you know that you start over here with Adam and Eve and creation was perfect and it was good and everything was wonderful and then God gave us free will and we made a choice that took us away from God, but God stayed right there, didn't he? And we got closer back to God and God was happy and God was right there and we were right there and then we made choices. And throughout history, the ups and downs of, humanity, of humanity's life and story with God, God was always the constant. And then it got to the point where God realized they're kind of getting it, but just not enough. I will show them. And so God, this constant, takes a step into our world in human form through Jesus Christ to show us the way. We learned in Sunday school, many of us, we learned two wonderful songs, two wonderful phrases. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible tells us so, right? We know this. Jesus loves the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. We know this from our own faith formation. So how we can understand that God would be anything else but a God of love, we know that in our hearts, but how does our world not see this? So our calling and our task, what God has asked us to do, God has asked us to show the world the nature of God. God has asked us to go out in the world and to be like a mirror reflecting the God that we see through the way we live and show the world who God is. And you see, if we do that, if we would do just that, if we would reflect the God that we know in our hearts and tell the world who that God is, a God of love, a God that loves each of us, individuals and as a human race, together, equally and wonderfully, if we would do that, then we would show the world truly who God is and that we have a king in heaven who loves us so deeply. But our mission doesn't stop there, does it? It's not enough to show the world who God is. We also need to show the world what God is about. Christian author, teacher, and minister Tony Campolo tells this story. A few years ago, he was invited to preach at a conference in Hawaii. I keep hoping that will happen to me one day. I mean, wouldn't that be great, right? I mean, invited to preach to a conference in Hawaii, and he gets there, and one night he can't sleep, so he gets up. It's really early in the morning. It's about 3 a.m. He so goes walking around the neighborhood near his hotel looking for a place to eat. He finds a diner that's opened, and in this diner, he walks in. As he walks in the door, the bell rings on the top of the door. And the guy behind the counter wipes his hands on a greasy apron and goes, what do you have? Tony Campolo says, a uh, cup of coffee and a donut? And the guy sort of slings a cup of coffee at him, pulls a donut out of the case. And let's be really clear, it came out of the case. So we know it's not a Krispy Kreme donut, right? So he's not gotten to perfection yet, but he's getting close. But he's there and he's got this weak cup of coffee and this donut. And he's sitting over in the corner just kind of sipping on the coffee, munching at the donut, thinking about life and his just kind of being there in the early morning. About 3.30, the door rings again as it swings open and in come eight prostitutes, loud, obnoxious, crude, telling stories, bantering back and forth with each other. And they kind of go to the corner and they're carrying on, they get a cup of coffee each and they're just chatting back and forth, filling the, the diner with all this noise and, and verbosity and everything. And finally, one of them just out of the blue says, you know, tomorrow's my 39th birthday. And one of the other ones goes, yeah, well, what do you want us to do? Throw you a party, bake you a cake? And she just cackles. But the woman whose 39th birthday is looks at her and goes, why do you have to be so mean? 
I've never had a party. I've never had a cake. I was just stating that tomorrow's my birthday. Their banner turns to something else, and pretty soon they get up and they leave. Tony's sitting there with his cough, and he looks over at the guy behind the counter. He goes, hey, Mac. He goes, the girl that's turning 39 more, who's that? He goes, Agnes is her name. Tony sort of nods his head. He goes, does she come in here every night? He goes, yeah, she comes in every night about 3.30. Why, you, you looking for a date? And he goes, no, 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 it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. He goes, she's going to come in here tomorrow night at 3.30. What do you say we throw her a birthday party? The guy behind the counter kind of looks at him a little suspiciously and goes, why not? What else are we going to do tomorrow? And so and Tony says, fine, I'll get the decorations. Can you help me figure out how to get a cake? And there goes, I'll make a cake. I'll make a nice cake. And Tony says, fine, I'll see you tomorrow night about 2.30. So 2.30 comes the next evening, the bell, the door opens, and in comes Tony Campolo, the bag of decorations, decorates the whole inside of the diner. The man brings out a cake, sets on the counter, it says, happy birthday, Agnes. It's got 39 candles on it. About 3.15, the door swings open, and they're panicked, thinking that she's early, and sure enough, she's not. But every other prostitute in town has figured out that there's going to be a party. Somehow they knew, and they showed up. I mean, who's not going to show up for cake, right? 3.30 comes, the door swings open, and in comes Agnes and her friends. Loud and boisterous, and everyone in the restaurant yells, surprise and happy birthday all at the same time. The cake is all ablaze. Agnes has got tears coming down her face. Finally, one of her friends just elbows her really hard and says, Agnes, blow out the cake before it burns up. We all want a piece. Agnes blows the cake out. She stares at it and she looks at the guy behind the counter and she says, do I have to cut the cake? I live just a block away from here and I'd like to take it home and stare at it the rest of the day because I've never had a birthday cake. And the guy behind her kind of goes, it's your cake, whatever you want to do with it, lady. And with that, she takes the cake and she goes out the door, leaving Tony and the guy behind the counter and everyone in the restaurant staring at each other with this look of now what? Tony says, let's pray. And he prays for Agnes, and he prays for her friends. He prays that she would find joy in her life, and that her life might be changed by today alone. When they get done with the, with the prayer, he says, amen. The guy behind the counter looks at him and says, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. Tony says, I'm a preacher. And he goes, what kind of church do you preach in? Tony says, I preach in a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. The man looked right back at him and says, no, you don't. Because if you did, I'd go to that church. My brothers and sisters, we are part of a church that does just that. We're part of a church that throws birthday parties for the children of the world each and every day, no matter what they do, no matter who they are. We're part of a church 
in which God says, love all my children, no matter who they are, what they're doing, love them because they're my children. That's the kind of people that Christ our King wants us to be. The kind of people that would go out of our way to lift up someone when they are lost, to help someone when they're low, to help someone find joy in life. Even when they didn't think they deserved it. And that, my friends, is the kind of king that we need to show to the world. Think of the grace and the redemption that each of us have been given as individuals. Think of the grace and redemption that we have been given as a world. And our calling is to give that redemption back, is to share, bear witness to that truth in the world around us. If you look at Netflix, it's obvious that we love a good fairy tale about a hidden benevolent royalty, about a king that comes out of the castle and walks amongst the commoners. But the reality is, is that we know that we have a king in heaven who has done just that, don't we? We have a king in heaven who has come down out of heaven and walked the earth with us to show us the way that rules the universe and loves us for just who we are. And Christ our King implores you and me, implores us to show the world this God who lives in heaven, to show the world who this God is and what this God is about. And we do that by telling the world who we worship, telling the world who we follow, but more importantly, showing the world by the way we treat others, showing the world how to live by the way we treat each other and the people with whom we come in contact with, because God is all about love. And God is all about offering grace and redemption. So on this Christ the King Sunday, praise be to our God in heaven, the King of the universe, Christ our King, who reigns above all. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.